You're listening to Apollo 11 Legacies, a series of podcasts produced through a partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology Corporation and WHNT News 19. I wanted to be part of the space program again after had been distracted so many years by the Vietnam War. So said Homer Hickam in a recent conversation about what else but his life and lifelong fascination with space. Now, Homer Hickam will tell you he is first and foremost a writer. He is the author of several books, both fiction and nonfiction. The most famous would be The Rocket Boys, a memoir of growing up in Colwood, West Virginia. It was made into a highly regarded movie, October Sky. The movie especially centered around the efforts of Homer and his friends to build rockets. Homer would go on to get an engineering degree. He would serve six years in the Army and be deployed in Vietnam. Homer worked for the Army Aviation and Missile Command at Redstone Arsenal, and then in 1981, he got back to being involved with rockets when he was hired as an engineer at Marshall Space Flight Center. During his time at Marshall, Homer worked on spacecraft design and crew training. He retired from NASA in 1998. These days, he's on the NASA Advisory Council, and he is the current chairman of the board for the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. He has testified before Congress on space exploration. This conversation with Homer Hickam is recorded in the studio at WHT News 19. Let's begin with a question about the beginning of Homer Hickam's interest in space and rockets when he was a teenager. In a way, you could say I was inspired by the Russians who launched Sputnik 1. I mean, that's, I stood out in my backyard there in Colwood, West Virginia, a little mining town, and saw Sputnik fly over. Just happened to choose to fly over Colwood. And um, I guess President Eisenhower was asleep and allowed it to fly over Colwood that night. And so that inspired me to see that uh, something from the great outside. And I was, a, I was a big science fiction reader too. So like a lot of kids around the United States, I was kind of primed to want to get into the space business even before I knew that there was going to be a space business. So Sputnik happened. And of course, immediately, like a lot of kids uh, back then, this is 1957, yeah. um, we got inspired by Werner von Braun. He had already, we'd already seen him on television. He was on Disneyland, Walt Disney had brought him on. So we're kind of familiar with him. And all of a sudden, he was the one down here in Huntsville, Alabama saying, I can catch up with the Russians. I can put up my own satellite. So we transferred this kind of fascination with yeah. that Russian Sputnik over to Dr. Von Braun, which led to Explorer One in January 1958. And of course, that got us in the space race. And um, I've even heard one of the veterans from NASA comment that it's, it's a shame that it took our, one of our enemies doing something to get us into space, but it did. So. You're excited about that, and you're, you're a teenager, and, and this kind of leads into the Apollo program. Do you remember your feelings about that? Because I guess you would have been in college, am I correct, at the beginning of the Apollo program? Yeah, so um, what happened, uh, of course, uh, in the Eisenhower administration, yeah. NASA got going. Yeah, not and I was in high school then, and all of a sudden we were kind of paying attention to what was happening at NASA. Dr. Von Braun was was uh, put in charge down here in Huntsville, Marshall Space Flight Center. Then I went off to college, and um, 
NASA had decided to create this Mercury program, the first astronauts. And um, so while I was in college, the Mercury program started. Uh, JFK, who I had met back in West Virginia, by the way, I wrote about that in Rocket Boys, suggested to him that we should go to the moon, <laughs> by the way. Every once in a while when I get a gin and tonic, I take credit for the entire Apollo program. But anyway. Um, so uh, uh, Mercury happened, the Gemini program yeah. happened, and then I graduated. I, then I, uh, Vietnam became my focus yeah. for the next six years uh, after 1965. And, uh, but I was still kept up with the, what was happening with uh, Apollo. So we were absolutely thrilled. And I was just back from Vietnam. Um, I was in the 4th Infantry Division over there. Didn't hear much about it while I was over there. I was doing other things, but I was just back when Apollo 8 launched yeah. to go around the moon. And I was so proud that uh, what our country had done and uh, just, just very, very pleased. It was a good contrast to what was going on yeah. in Vietnam and a lot of other civil rights and everything else that was going on in our country at that time. We often forget how busy the 1960s yeah. were. Yeah. And people say, well, what was it like to live through the 1960s, Homer? And I always say, well, I don't really like to reflect on it that much. I hope we never have to live through an yeah. era like that, except maybe that part about going to the moon. You're listening to writer and NASA veteran Homer Hickam. We'll return to our conversation in a moment. More now from writer, NASA veteran, and manned spaceflight advocate Homer Hickam. During my career and going out and speaking, I have heard from some of the idiots who say, well, we didn't really go to the moon. And I tell them, come to Huntsville, do two things. First, go to the graveyard and look at all the dead young men out there who died way before their times. Not during the 60s, but that yeah. decade after. A lot of them sadly just worked themselves to death. They smoked themselves to death. In some cases, they drank themselves to death because they were so totally focused on getting us to the moon. The other place to go is the Huntsville uh, Courthouse. Look up the divorce records for 1960s. Yeah. Um, families, men, husbands, fathers, literally dedicated themselves to get us to the moon. And so the proof is right here, just in those odd little statistics, oh, yeah. how much this city was dedicated to, to fulfill JFK's promise and get us to the moon uh, during the 1960s. And I have had so many NASA veterans tell me during that era they could not wait to go to work. Right. Said if we had to work on Saturday, fine, we were there. Yeah, I mean, there was a barber shop out there. There was everything out there. You never had to leave. I was uh, a couple of years ago out at SpaceX, um, Elon Musk's company, which is acting now a lot like the Marshall Space Flight Center during the 1960s. When you go there, you never have to leave. They've got little cubby holes where you can go in and take a nap and come back out. They've got every possible kind of restaurant. And unfortunately, when I was out there, I mentioned to them, well, you know, there at Marshall during, during that era, we had a barber shop and even a beauty shop. And they went, ah. <laughs> we'll put one in too. And I went, oh no. <laughs> well, you know, in, in fact, what you just said has been mentioned to me before, and I'm thinking that's a, it's good in one way, but it's not so good in another. 
uh, I think that that's a that's a very difficult part of history yeah. to to do over again, and I don't necessarily think yeah. we should. As a matter of fact, that was one of my messages to the SpaceX people. Elon didn't like very much what I said. He liked everything else yeah. I said, except I did say, go home occasionally. <laughs> go meet your wife, yeah. meet your husband <laughs> again. Go raise your children. Um, actually, those things are I won't say more important, but they are very, very important yeah. to your future life. Yeah. Maybe not right now, so you're so focused on building rockets, but uh, absolutely, you do need to have a family life yeah. as well to support you over the long run. So. Okay, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Apollo 8. What about Apollo 11? Do you remember your thoughts when the first human being set foot on the moon? Well, yes, and again, it's kind of all mixed up with Vietnam. Okay. Uh, when I came back uh, from uh, Vietnam, I was put into a reserve unit there at Ogden, Utah. I was working for the Thiokol company, actually. Um, and this lasted for about a year before that reserve unit was called up and I had to go back in the military. That's another story. So that mm -hmm. reserve unit was actually on duty at Fort, Fort Lewis, Washington um, during the Apollo 11. And so I knew where a television set was, although we were all out in tents and camp, I knew where a television set was because that's where I went to Vietnam from was Fort Lewis. So I f scouted out this television set in a barracks in the back of uh, Fort Lewis there and I sat there with a number of troops who were all headed to Vietnam and watched the Apollo, uh, the Eagle Land. Oh. And uh, so it was, it was all kind of mixed up in my mind, you know, but I was so proud and, and, and I kind of reflected on those days when I built rockets back in Colwood and went to the National Science Fair and did all that. And it came to my, into my mind again, you know, I really kind of want to be part of this again. It was kind of my, it, I had another Sputnik moment. I yeah. wanted to be part of the space program again after had been distracted yeah. so many years by the Vietnam War. Okay, so 71 to 81, you were with uh, Army <laughs> Missile Command, which is, which is close. As close as I that. could get. Okay. Well, again, we have to remember here in Huntsville, what happened when they closed the Apollo program yeah. down? Huntsville almost went down to twos. Yeah. We were kind of a one industry town. And uh, so it was like uh, we had very smart the city fathers and mothers who decided let's diversify yeah. and so on. But so yeah, I did want to work for uh, for NASA. Uh, they were laying off engineers, but I was able to grab hold of a job with uh, the Army Missile Command instead. Okay. So okay, yeah. so in '81 though, you finally got to NASA. '81, finally. You were very busy with the shuttle program. <laughs> I was. I came in just as the shuttle started to fly. So it was kind of cool um, to come in and here at Marshall Space Flight Center, we had a program called Space Lab. A lot of that's the unsung hero yeah. of the space business, in my opinion. Uh, space Lab was a precursor for Space Station. The whole idea was the shuttle had this great big cargo bay back there. What can we put back there to give us scientific dividends uh, with with the human space within yeah. the human space program? And so somebody at Marshall came up with the idea: let's put a uh, a laboratory back there, a can. It would just fit. And the European Space Agency stepped up and said, "Okay, we'll build that can." You know, and uh, so as I came in, I, that's the first place I started working with the Space Lab uh, program office. Yeah. 
and also the neutral buoyancy simulator. I had twin jobs. I worked as a diver in the tank, started meeting lots of astronauts doing that. And so as Space Lab started to fly, they needed more people who could train the astronauts to work in Space Lab. So I was a natural for that. I got hired to do that. And so I had a very exciting Space Lab experience. I uh, trained the first Japanese astronauts. I spent, uh, if you added up all the months, probably a couple of years over in Japan uh, doing that. And uh, I, I just absolutely, yeah, I, it was just like, I was just like a kid again. I'd wake up every morning and say to myself, oh boy, I get to go work for NASA <laughs> today. And it was fun, yeah. you know, it really was fun. Um, and so many uh, wonderful people out there that I got an opportunity to work with. We'll return to our conversation with writer Homer Hickam in just a moment. We return now to our conversation with writer and NASA veteran Homer Hickam. I am the uh, board chair at the Space and Rocket Center this year, Space Camp, Space Academy, and all that. So uh, I've been very much involved with getting ready for our celebration here in Huntsville. For that, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, I won't say a friend, but certainly a strong acquaintance of Buzz Aldrin. I've met him a number of times. We've sat together and talked a number of times. He's going to come uh, to it, so that's going to be really, really fun. Um, we have a, a symphony that's been written uh, just for the Apollo 11 landing that will be played for the first time by the Brass Band of Huntsville. Uh, that'll be on July the 16th, the day of the launch. That's what we're celebrating, yeah, the yeah. day of the launch. We yeah, also there's celebrate. People remember this. Was the launch part. <laughs> Our part was the launch. Our part was the launch. But we were, we were very interested observers. Absolutely, we were. And so we'll celebrate you know, the landing as well, but um, we're going to have our big celebration okay. on, the, on the 16th. So my focus ha has been that uh, um, a very real thing that we're going to do to have this celebration mm -hmm. on the 16th out at the Space and Rocket Center. Plus, we're going to launch uh, the most rockets ever at one place at one time. 5,000 rockets we're going yeah. to launch, and that's going to be incredible. Um, and we're 5,000 small rockets. Make sure we. <laughs> well, yeah, they're small, but when they all go there's off, still at once, that's a lot of thrust, a lot of smoke is going to occur. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. And at the same time, we're inviting um, rocketeers from around yeah. the world uh, to launch rockets. So yeah. that day, there ought to be more rockets. I hope we don't tilt the planet, you yeah. know, in its orbit. But um, it, that's going to be an incredibly fun day. But the, the folks out of Space and Rocket Center have just worked so hard. Yeah. Uh, I might add, when the vice president came here in March. That was a surprise to all of us uh, out there, and um, uh, that he decided to come here. And I, I will take credit for that. Uh, I did keep suggesting he should well, come here. I didn't realize he was so, going to suddenly do so it. So you, you started the <laughs> Apollo program, and you got. All right, all right I can't let you go. We're, we're about out of time, but I want yeah. to just a couple of moments about uh, being on the NASA Advisory Council and. Yeah. and uh, there's so many things going right now, so many, uh, you know, the plans right now, as I understand, and granted they're not written on stone anywhere, right. are to, to have a, a, a space station type outfit circling the moon, put a, a base on the moon, and uh, work there to get ready to go to Mars. That's kind of the way I understand it. That's sort of the plan. Yeah. And it's going to cost a lot of money over and above NASA's current budget. All that said, 
Would you just comment on where you see things with, with, with what we plan to do? Well, uh, the mechanism that yeah. we will return to the moon, I don't think it's totally clear. There are, there are plans yeah. out there, but we, as we know, there are things behind uh, the scenes that are occurring, uh, good, bad, and indifferent, with a lot of commercial mm. space actors and so on getting involved. Mm. So we'll see how all that works out. I think we will definitely go back. Mm. I think we will build a moon base up there. But I also think that we need to sell it to the American public in a couple of ways. We need to show them and convince them of the truth, and that is by going back to the moon, we're going to end up putting money in the pockets of the American taxpayer. There are resources there that we need and that we, that we will use. We will also make our country stronger. So I think those things are kind of yeah. missed sometimes about going, people, why are we going back? Oh, that's cool. But no, we're going back for economic reasons this time. There are wonderful resources to get there and also to make our country stronger. We will be in a position for the future that if we let somebody else get ahead of us and do it instead of us, then we're probably going to be in trouble. So I do think this is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be by 2024, and I don't really care. I don't care anything about being nexus. I want to be bestest. <laughs> when we go back to the moon. <laughs> I want to see the Chinese crawl out of, out of something that looks like the limb, and we roll up in our great big machine, <laughs> you know, and we will yeah. say, hey, welcome, you know, with two or three uh, of our guys going, hey, welcome to the moon. You know, we're already here. We've got our little moon base. Come on in. We'll, at, we've got a bar going here, you know, whatever it is. Um, we, but we, need to, we yeah. need to go back in strength this time and uh, also to let the American taxpayer yeah. know, yeah, it's going to cost some money, but it's going to put money ultimately back in your pocket. And, and a former director of Marshall, and I can't remember who it was, said that not a dime of the money spent on NASA is spent in space. Well, it's that's all true. Spent on Earth. That's absolutely true. And even if we do end up spending some up there on the moon, it's going to come back tenfold, in my okay. opinion. And you, you feel pretty good about what, a, a third exciting time for you. Oh, this is wonderful exciting time. I'm glad to be alive. I, uh, I, I heard though that we're going back to, or we're going to Titan. We're going to have a, uh, uh, a drone. We're going to put a drone uh, on Titan, but it won't get there, I don't believe, until 2034. So it's like, oh my gosh, I've got a, I've got a, a, a new goal now. I've got to live until <laughs> I'm well up in my night. <laughs> so, okay, it gives me a reason to keep going, I guess. <laughs> well, you should. And, and suggest some more things to people in positions of power. I'll do my very best. Right, and to bring them here to Huntsville. Because cool. this is where it's happening. This is a great city, and I am so glad I've spent most of my life here. You've been listening to a conversation with writer Homer Hickam. He's a former engineer at Marshall Space Flight Center, a current member of the NASA Advisory Council and board chair at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. He has testified in Washington, D.C. about space exploration. We invite you to listen to our other podcast on that subject and more as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon mission. Go to the Apollo 11 tab at the top of our website, whnt.com, where you'll also find other interesting items on North Alabama's contribution to America's manned spaceflight history. Apollo 11 Legacies is produced in partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology. Content made possible with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center's Legacy Panel Lecture Series. Music provided by Megatracks.